You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. You're listening to Tony Telecasts from The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Aaron Albano. And I'm Mo Brady. Welcome back, listeners, to our mini-series about the Tonys, looking into the drama behind the drama of a theater season in Broadway history. In each podcast episode, we watch a telecast of a previous Tony Awards, not only the performances, but the opening and speeches to see how it reflects the season as a whole. So let's dive back in and talk about the 2019 Tony Awards. Woohoo! All right, let's talk about these nominated performances. Now, this, uh, this is our first year with five nominated performances for Best Musical, but only two performances for Best Revival. So we have seven shows, eight shows to discuss. We have the seven nominated musicals and Choir Boy, which is nominated for Best Choreography and Best Play, and we get to see performance of as well. So like we said in our in part one, I was on tour for this season. So I did not see all of these. And when I did see them, it was way after the Tony telecast. So I did see all of them. So we'll specify which of these you have intimate knowledge of and which ones I don't. And all of them are post Tony's knowledge. So so they were affected. Your theater growing experience was affected by these performances. Oh, correct. They were all in their sophomore year, if I had seen yes. them. Yes. All right. Our first performance was Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations. We had a medley of Ain't Too Proud, Just My Imagination, and I Can't Get Next to You. These are bops. These are just bops. This was a great performance. The songs are awesome, and the songs are the songs, and they've been bops since, what, the 50s, the 60s? I have not seen the show, so I don't, I'm not completely clear on when the Temptations were at their prime. This is a great commercial for a jukebox musical. Like, yeah. you don't, you're not really getting any story, but you're getting performances, good performances of songs that you at least sort of know mm-hmm. as part of the, you know, American musical canon. Ephraim Sykes is a fucking star. Who does a knee slide He's like ridiculous. Ephraim Sykes? He's ridiculous. It's wild. Jeremy Pope, your notes are the, that voice, those eyes. How dare. How dare. How dare. He starts singing and it's everyone melts. The entire Radio City musical melts. Yeah, it's, this very much was the Jeremy Pope Tony Awards. I mean, he's nominated twice for Best Leading Actor. And uh-huh. so if it's a commercial, one of the things that the 2019 Tony Awards was a commercial for is Jeremy, Jeremy Pope. Pope. <laughs> this had some technical aspects that I felt like we're extras. Like we don't usually get to see tech elements. Oh, sure. We get costume changes. We don't often. That was wild to me. I I feel like those are not that common. No, it's like Kelly O'Hara doing one that we like also then get footage of on YouTube. Yeah. So five of your leads giving you full costume changes. I was very impressed. Ain't Too Proud is built by the team that built 
Jersey Boys, right? And Jersey Boys does a great job of leaving you at the end with a concert that you're like, ready for. That was great, right? Mm -hmm. You know, director Des Makinoff and choreographer Sergio Trujillo have pulled out a similar style for this. And it, again, works. It hits, yeah. We see the musicians on stage. There's a little bit of choreo. It's a concert that has sort of is like a celebration of the show that we've seen. And Mm -hmm. out of context on the Tony Awards, I was like, yeah, 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 I want to see that. It was wonderful. It was great. It was a good showcase for really great talent. Who could ask for anything more? Tootsie performs Unstoppable. Unstoppable. I saw this. Mo, I saw this. Good for you. <laughs> I saw the show twice. I, I think once before and once after. This is a show that is not weathered well, well in my mind. And so watching it, I think I saw it through the months of it not aging well. Oh, okay. So Interesting. I, that that happens. To me, this looks like excellent regional theater. Like something about the costumes and like the staging with the like choreography of running sachets. Like it's very it's very walkography. The song is one note. Nothing sure. happens in the song. I do agree that this is the song from the show that you put on the Tony Awards. Mm-hmm. The thing that was most remarkable to me is this is the musical by the previous Tony Award winner for Best Musical. David Yazbak wrote the score to The Band's, the band's Visit. Sure. And the next year he's here with Tootsie. And it's fine. And it's, sure. I mean, I also, I do feel like, because I, I agree, it feels like it doesn't really go anywhere. I actually think it's pretty clean. I think the, like the walkography, it moves well. It makes the stage travel when it's not really traveling i think where it bumps up for me is that it travels but sort of at the same pace the whole time there's no dynamics to the number Hmm. it stays because again the cool part of the number is when santino changes from michael to dorothy Mm -hmm. but we needed some stuff to give him time to change and the distracting was a little lackluster because then we also needed to see these posters, these marquees that we couldn't see very well. Yeah, the jokes actually are funny. Like Lay Miz and Miz being like MZ period is funny. And yet it sort of like falls flat on the poster to me. I don't know. It just doesn't like. I wonder, do we think that might be also just like a camera blocking problem? Right. Because I would say like, oh, it's a funny joke that works better in the theater than in Radio City Music Hall. But it's it was in the marquee. Like, that's a big ass theater also. So it's not like it's a space problem. Yeah. Maybe it was the camera tried to find the jokes and missed them. The show won Best Book of a Musical. Yeah. It was a show with a lot of laughs in it. I mean, that marketing campaign after the Tony Awards, where it was said that was the funniest show on Broadway, it showed images of audience members laughing and nothing from the show itself. Mm -hmm. Interesting that they didn't double down on the humor in the performance and take us like a little bit away from the man in a dress of the performance, which was sort of the cultural conversation I think that happened around Tootsie in the spring was, does this story feel too dated to be sharing in 2019? Correct. Well, I think because that's 
that's what's also difficult is the like I think you hit it on the head. They showed us a lot of people laughing, but didn't show us the content they were laughing at because the humor could be considered the problematic part of the show. I feel like a lot of the best humor in the show had nothing to do with a man being in a dress. You know, it was the Sarah Stiles character. Sure. It was yeah. the best friend character. It was the dumb, pretty guy with abs character. Like, those are actually the things I remember as being, like, really funny about Tootsie. I would agree, because I did the same. But if they're banking on Santino winning, you're going to do... A number with Santino. Yeah. And how do you do a number with Santino where you're... He's not in a dress. Mm -hmm. Ready? Okay. Hi. I'll be your guy. I'll be your G-U-I-D-E to the other. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. The banana boat song and the whole being dead. Uh-huh. I saw this. I did see this. Catherine O'Hara introduces it like what a coup <laughs> for theater lovers <laughs> right? for them. She does a perfect introduction, which refers to her, has a joke, but then she's like talks about Beetlejuice as a magnum opus about our mortality. It is the most life-affirming show about death that you will ever live to see. I was like, that's the intro. That is the delivered intro. by Moira Rose. Like it's great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's great. I it's... think the the use of the banana boat song, but both in this and the Thanksgiving Day Parade performance. It's just weird to me. Like, I don't need to be reminded that the Banana mm. Boat song was in the movie. Do you? Do I? Hmm. I'm trying to think in terms of, because again, I saw this show after I saw these Tonys. So I'm trying to think my fresh head watching the Beetlejuice number. It did give me a like, oh, I know this song, Jolt of Adrenaline going into the number. Whereas if it just started with Alex Brightman in the house with the song, it would have taken a little bit for me to rev up to it. Is it necessary? Who's to say? But I think it's an easy gateway into the show. And it does provide that great turn of Alex being in the audience, mm -hmm. um, which is successful. Yeah. Alex Brightman is so frigging good yeah he's fantastic this is not a controversial this is not a hot stance, take but like i mean no I, I grew up with alex brightman and he was good at eight years old so this is really not a hot take like he's really fantastic annoyingly fantastic in everything he does he commands the stage he is funny he's doing that voice that like doesn't make sense how he's doing it like it and my thing is i'm like these are completely new lyrics to this very wordy opening and they had a matinee that day. They had a full week of shows that week with other lyrics to that. I was like, you better nail this entire new number that you had to learn for one night. I think this performance 100% works. The show looks like fun. The staging is fun. The music, it just, it looks good. And you're like, I'll spend $140 on that. Sure. It's a very strong number. No notes. It's great. Speaking of no notes, let's talk about the prom. The prom. And their performance of Tonight Belongs to You and It's Time to Dance. The prom. I did not see this live. I am sad, sad, sad to say that I did not see this live. I'm a prom stan. And this is like having already, I think I'd seen the show twice at this point, maybe three times. This was the performance that I wanted. 
Like mm. when, you know, when shows are nominated, you imagine what they might be doing at the Tony Awards. And I was like, what they need to do is they need to do a mashup of the finale of act one to the finale of act two. There's a great key change in there. Just like, give me like some like great Matt Scalar music. Mm. Like I want it. And they did exactly what I was dreaming of. And I was like, thank you. Congratulations. We got to see Brooks Eschmantgis and Caitlin Kinnan in. We got to see the choreography. Um, we got to have like a celebratory, everyone in lines doing uniform movement towards the house. Like it just, it built well in my mind. So I never got to see the show live. Secrets, don't tell anyone. I watched the movie for another podcast. Nobody listens to this podcast. <laughs> So I watched the movie for a different podcast, but before watching the movie, I decided I needed to know the source material. Oh, so you bootlegged I it. found a slime tutorial to watch the live show before I watched the movie. Shush, don't tell. Okay. We can discuss my relationship with bootlegs on another day. But what I find interesting about the prom in both iterations, is I feel like the show itself is fine. What I think is the strongest parts of the show is the finale of Act 1 and the finale of Act 2. And when you get the best parts of your show and put them together to advertise your show, I think it's going to be the right move. And that's what they did. I think maybe what I love about this also coming from my, you know, ensembleist place is that whereas I feel like Alex Brightman was the star of Beetlejuice, this was really an opportunity for the ensemble to show. Yes, yes. Maybe it's the camera angles, but I felt like I saw Drew Reddington. I saw Juice Mackins. I saw Kaylin West and they were all killing Hitting it so hard. Yeah, the dance arrangements for this show are so good. Every single dance break in the show is so well crafted and well arranged. Like your heart just starts pumping harder whenever like these dancers jump in, not only because they're great dancers, but like everything is sort of lining up that it's, affecting you in a very visceral way. Every single one of those accent hits is like making you more and more emotional. It's great. It's fantastic. Again, no notes. It's a wonderful performance. What's different about this no notes versus Beetlejuice no notes? In your mind, which is a better Tony performance? It's hard because I feel like they both show their shows very well. What would you spend your $140 on, Aaron? You only have $140. If I'm going off of the night where I had not seen either of these. You're sitting in your home in Ohio. You are going to fly to New York and go on your theater trip where you get to see one show and eat at the Hard Rock Cafe. What? From the performance, probably the prom. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. A person tries to kiss a girl. I know she ought to give his face a smack. But as soon as someone kisses me, Oklahoma. I can't say no and Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I did not get to see this production. I heard it was amazing, though. The Ali Stroker 
singing I Can't Say No. She does it very well. It, to me, it had Sydney Lucas, Ring of Keys, Fun Home vibes. Oh, sure. It like, felt like Tony Awards 2015, where we're just like, we're going to watch this great performance. And she said, and she sang the shit out of it. And right like, from the get, you're like, ah, I'm being taken care of in this vocal. Yes. That voice is killer. What I don't think works well is the performance of the song Oklahoma. Okay, so we see people on the stage that are in the house with sort of like great comet, once on this island vibes. Yeah. But like, it doesn't really explain why they're there and they're not really performing to them. Also, I'm having trouble remembering exactly, but I think... I think they perform this song in the production covered in blood. Oh, really? Spoiler alert <laughs> for a closed production of a closed industry. But like the show ends with Lori and Curly like covered in blood from a gunshot. Oh, wow. From I think Judd. Yeah, Judd right? like, Judd gets mm-hmm. shot, right? And so they're like covered in his blood singing Oklahoma. Oh, wow. And so like having seen the show, you're like, well, that's not the vibe of sure. this performance on the Tonys. And yet also this vibe wasn't really working for me either. Well, I think that's the thing because this was my confusion also because I was like, was this performance successful at selling the show? Because who leads into it? I think, oh, it's um, Asif Mamvi and Shirley Jones who are both connected to other versions of the show introduce it. But they're telling us how like innovative and different the production is while still maintaining the script and the songs, which is a very cool lead in. But then we see a production where they're just singing the song that we know already. And now knowing that they're covered in blood, clearly that could not show up on CBS. But I was just like, you can't lead in with like, it's so different and then show us the same thing we've seen. I mean, at that point, I'm like, let your Ado Annie sing, let your Curly sing because their voices are killer. Damon Duano nominated for his performance as Curly has a sick voice. <laughs> it's, it's, that voice is sick. Our one performance of a play, except for Heidi Schreck performing <laughs> her opening, opening monologue. Yes. Is Choir Boy. Performing Rock and Jerusalem, nominated for Best Choreography, Camille Brown. Oh, my goodness. I did not get to see this play, but after this performance, I really wanted to. Yeah, 100%. This did exactly the right thing. This was the performance that I was like, this is amazing, but why are we doing this? This was thrilling. This was compelling. It might arguably be one of the best, if not the best performance of the night, but it's closed and it's a play. I was like, are they going on tour? Not why, but how did this get TV Mm -hmm. Because I do think, and I think there is sort of evidence of this in our previous watches, that there are a few times when art trumps the commercial. And I would like in my most idealistic brain to think this was one of those moments. Because unless there's a tour going out in 2021, 2022, I don't see why this exists in the most practical commercial way. But if it was there because this was a show that needed to be seen and needed to be documented like Bosom Buddies was in 1987. Oh, I hear you're using my own theory. Against you, correct. (laughs) Not not to against me, but to influence me. Yes, I was right. You were right that I was right. (laughs) You have to take the long way down. Through the underground, under cover of night, 
laying low, staying out of sight. Ain't no compass, brother. Ain't no map. Just a telephone wire and a railroad. Town, the eventual winner for the night, um, performing Road to Hell and Wait for Me. The town of Hades. I saw this, I saw this show after the Tonys, and like, yes. You love some spoken word by Andre de Shields the dulcet tones of Reeve Carney and some swinging steampunk yeah. chandeliers. Those, those swinging lights are everything. Like, I love it so much that I still have my fake carnation in a vase like a year later. In a vase. What I think is interesting about this performance is it doesn't really tell us very much about the show, even though it's trying very much to tell us about the show. And yet it all sort of works in a way that I'm like, you sold me at stage fog. (laughs) I'm, I'm here. Like the headlamps and the stage fog and the melodies. And you're just like, yeah, I'll go live in that world. I feel like hmm, this is half baked. So I might not make sense. Tell me if I do. Essentially what we're watching in this performance is the aesthetic of the show. Mm -hmm. That's correct. We're watching the steampunk. We're listening to the most soaring melody of the entire night that haunts you for like a week afterward. Yeah. We're seeing all of these things and have no idea what the show's about. But then you're watching it win after win after win after win. And so you're like, all right, I don't know what it's about, but it must be good. It's a place I want to go for two hours. I'll trust this commercial to tell me where to spend my money. And frankly, the commercial is good. <laughs> Our last performance by a nominated musical of the night is Kiss Me Kate performing Too Darn Hot. Kiss Me Kate. I did not see this show. Speaking of an ensemble feature, like from the very first moment, like after Kelly O'Hara talks about their her, like very sexy cast performing is like Sarah Meal crawling across <laughs> the stage. Hilariously ensemble focused mm. to me. And we just get to see we get to see dancers. Like we really get to see these people, yeah. right? We see Darius Barnes. We see Sam Strassfield. We see Christine Cornish Smith. Like it is like exciting to see all of these people in our community just like kicking ass i mean these dancers are flawless darius barnes it's very early in the number he's just like doing like a like a batma to the side and you're like Mm -hmm. he is so tall and his limbs are so high up in the air it is beautiful (laughs) the way christine cornish smith is just like turn 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 ball change into a sweat i was like so clean so yeah The, the number is strong and especially I would trust James T. Lane to carry any number. The presence that resonates off of that man is unreal. The one thing that hit me about this performance, and I can't decide if it's the performance itself or if it's because it is a truncated version of an 11-minute number, Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel that exhausting. And if the whole song is about it being too darn hot to do anything, I'm like, is it that hot? Y'all seem pretty comfortable. And again, if it is choreographed to be an 11 minute piece, then the natural display of that exhaustion happens throughout the 11 minutes. Yeah. And this is a three minute version. And this is a three minute minute version of it. So that's the one thing. And that's super nitpicky and insidery. But that's where my head went for the end where I was just like, they're like fainting at the end of this, but they were also still just like jumping in a pyramid for like two counts of eight over and over and over 12, again. 12 tuck jumps. 12. Great. <laughs> but who's counting? Me. I rewound it and I watched <laughs> and I counted. Cheers. 
It's time for our Yelp review. Yay! Uh, our first question, as always, is which performance made the show look better than it was? Aaron? I'd say the prom. Like I said before, I feel like the show, while great, is flawed. The show is, on the whole, pretty moderate. But where it hits is their finale of Act 1 and finale of Act 2. And when the moments of your show that need to be nailed are nailed super well, it elevates the show. And they used both of those moments in this performance. What about you? My answer is Ain't Too Proud, but take your entire answer about the prom and move it over to Ain't Too Proud because you basically said all the reasons. Interesting. Okay. I think the show is flawed, but it showed its best moments and it showed them incredibly well. Okay. Bang. What performance made you want to buy a ticket? Uh, the prom. And we talked about this earlier, but it's a, it's that build. They took the most Tony Award performance worthy moments and turned it into a successful commercial. What about you? I mean, the answer that doesn't get to be my answer is Choir Boy. Well, we do this with all the other telecasts and you don't actually buy a ticket to Lee Miz, okay? <laughs> or nine. Calm down. Well, sure. Calm fair, down. Fair, 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 fair. But Choir Boy, man. Choir Boy is so thrilling. Choir Boy is so, like, visceral. It was the number of the night that I was like, is this going to be on great performances or something? All I wanted to do is see this show. And then second place is Hades Town because, again, swinging lights and soaring melodies, forget it. What speech moved you the most, Mo? This was hard because there were quite a few moving speeches, right? There were a lot. To me, it was Rachel Chabkin for Best Direction of a Musical for Hades Town. Mm. I'm just going to read the quote because I think it's really good. She says, I wish I wasn't the only woman directing a musical on Broadway this season. There are so many women who are ready to go. There are so many artists of color who are ready to go. And we need to see that racial diversity and gender diversity are reflected in our critical establishment too. This is not a pipeline issue. It is a failure of imagination by a field whose job it is to imagine the way the world could be. Bang. I remember hearing that and gagging. You know, she did like a, great speech she thanked all of her people at the beginning and then she took it out she she widened it out as a lot of these speeches do i think that's how you make a good award show speech mm -hmm. but something about that statement it is a failure of an imagination by a field whose job it is to imagine the way the world could be you know it sort of links to we were that kid you know like the tony awards hit us the hardest when they remind us that theater lovers are all connected from the kid watching at home to the person with Tony 20 Tony awards on their shelf. And this, that statement of this speech does that in my opinion, something you just said, I feel like that's why we get so annoyed when this celebration of our industry becomes so commercial because those are the roots of what this art form is. It's about connection. It's about how we see the world. It's about imagination. And when that monetary commercialism starts to overtake it, you and I especially get very upset. What about you? Which speech moved you the most? Uh, that one was a good one. I'd say just to shout out another one, Andre DeShields win for Featured Actor in a Musical. Yeah, this was the other memeable speech. I it was wonderful. It was fantastic because also a legend, icon, winning his first Tony. What was amazing to me is that during the speech, he essentially says he's 73 years old. I think he says it cooler than that. But he says that he's 73 years old and this is the 73rd Tony Awards. You do the math. Like The Tony Awards were invented 
because of Andre of Andre de Shields' birth. birth. Yes. And then he turns around and, and gives words of wisdom that have sort of led him on his path. And they are number one, surround yourself with people whose eyes light up when they see you coming. Oh, so good. Two, slowly is the fastest way to get to where you want to be. And three, the top of one mountain is the bottom of the next. So keep climbing. I remember both when I watched it initially and this time I like immediately thought through all of my relationships and I was like, do they light up when I walk in the room? All right. Biggest surprise win. Honestly, I don't really have any real surprises. How about you? Not really a surprise win, but I really thought Robin de Jesus won. Like in my mind, he totally won this Tony award. And then when Bertie Carvel his name got announced. I was like, oh, guess I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would you recommend watching? Yeah, I would. I think it's a strong telecast. There's not one clunker in the performances. I think James is a good host. I know we disagree, but I thought he, I think he's a successful host. I think the bits are funny. And I think the speeches are really powerful and we could hear all of them again. Funny. I also agree, but I think it's like a telecast made for short video sharing. Mm. Like all of the moments were good and like, yeah, I want to watch those bits, but it didn't feel like the whole thing was a cohesive night to me. I don't know. Okay. I'm just showing my cards of being mad about James Gordon. <laughs> So this time around, we asked on Instagram which Tony ceremonies you wanted us to review and discuss. So thank you, Joan, for this great suggestion of looking back at our most recent telecast. So now we're asking you, our listeners, please slide into our DMs, send us an email, let us know what telecast you want us to talk about next. The Ensemblist was produced today by me, Aaron Albano. And by me, Mo Brady. Special thanks to Wasif Sami for the background research on this week's Tony season. Please rate and review The Ensemblist wherever you listen to podcasts, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or at bpn.fm, the home of Broadway Podcast Network. Our Patreon members have on-demand access to our full archive, including full conversations with our guests and early access to episodes. You can support us for between $5 and $20 a month at patreon.com slash The Ensemblist. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.